I wanted to go to somewhere else, somewhere better than Iraq, some place that uh, that I can get my rights as a human being, and I think America is the right place. استمرت هاي الحالة من 2011. I said from 2011 to 2014, and it was a struggle and a battle. Not against death, but against life, because death was right there. But we were struggling, we were fighting for life. That was Samir Khalil and Fuad Aboud. Both are refugees from Iraq who've been granted political asylum to come to the United States. In 1990, there were 45,000 immigrants from Iraq in the U.S. Today, 25 years after the start of the Persian Gulf War, there are approximately 215,000 refugees. Today's podcast, Leaving Iraq. Hi, I'm John Vosey, executive producer of Words in Transit. This podcast is a project of New England Public Radio and is being offered in conjunction with the release of a book of the same name, published by the University of Massachusetts Press. With Words in Transit, we wanted to bring the national conversation on immigration home to our community here in western Massachusetts and to shift the focus from immigration policies to stories of individuals like Fuad and Samir, that have traveled to the United States from around the world. Here's Tema Silk, the managing director of Words in Transit, to tell us more about Samir and Fuad. Fuad Aboud was a high school English teacher in Iraq. He'd also had a job serving as an interpreter. Eventually, that made him a target for ISIS. And as ISIS's hold on Iraqi territories expanded closer and closer to Fuad's hometown, he feared not only for his own life, but for the lives of his family members. They would be safer, he reasoned, with him out of the country, and so he applied for asylum in the United States. In November of 2014, Catholic Charities supported his resettlement in Hartford, Connecticut. When we interviewed Fouad for the Words in Transit project, he'd come to this country only months before. Here's Fouad. It was a dream to live in America, like anybody else dreamed to live in America and to be successful. So it started like uh, just a dream. And then the dream came through, and now I'm in America. So I used to live in a province called Wasat. It was very close to the border of Diyala, which is under the control of ISIS. ISIS began to kill most of the English teachers there in Diyala province because they speak, they speak the language of the infidel because they didn't like anybody who speaks English they didn't like anybody who, who had any contact with the American Marines. I worked as an interpreter, translator, with a British security company. Most of my friends and all of Badra City Wasasi, they volunteered. They joined the army, volunteering for defending their, their areas, their, their province. So I have to, up to now some friends still firing ISIS in the borders here. Every day they... They text me. I called my friend when he was in the front line, and I talked to him. Under the he was under the firefight, and he was making jokes when he was talking to me. I I told him, hey, be careful. He said, no, don't worry, I'm under cover. I didn't like the situation back there in Iraq. My friends, my followers, they could adapt it, but I I couldn't live with such such chaos situation, distracted, corrupted situation there, system. 
even my brothers and family they they are okay but i i didn't feel that i i i can or i had to stay with like this there in iraq i wanted to go to somewhere else somewhere better than iraq some place that uh, that i can get my rights as a human being and i think america is the right place and uh, i applied since 2010 and uh, i came here just after four years i'm making four uh meetings there on the uh, on the at the american embassy in baghdad two times three times i went there uh and they asked me for some evidence do i have some papers of threatens paper did somebody if somebody really threatened me or did somebody attacked me they just want to make sure that i'm the real person who who sent them the email they want just to make sure that i am for adabud they said that my case is accepted and now i'm allowed to to go to the united states we we've been a group like about two families and from baghdad christian families and muslims and some singles i was me and two others and then in jordan we find that there are too many immigrants like from somalia we joined together in the airport and then we came to america but then and then at new jersey airport we separated in america the wide america so i was just like a shock to come to america from iraq but next day i woke up in the morning and found myself in america in some place in an apartment with some people from somalia i jumped from my bed to to the street i didn't know where to go so it was very cold in the morning it was 6 a.m and i stayed stayed in the in the street waiting i don't know what i was waiting for but i just stayed in the street just shocked and i don't know just watching i saw some faces that i didn't used to see before in my country i was a bit frightened but i knew that it's not going to last for a long time that something good will happen and i'm i'm going to see something different i'm i'm going to change my place to some better place maybe and then i did first the catholic charity used to give us like 200 every month and they pay for the apartment rent and uh, they pay the bill they did it for two months three months and then they put me in a job in new britain for a manufacturer called ICI some manufacturer for making some aluminum parts i worked there for about one month and a half and then got laid off it was a very hard job and uh, i used to wake up at four in the morning and come back at four in the evening so almost i spent all the day there these days last week i used to go and help some people to study english as a second language at the library some immigrant people my goal isn't for to to work and uh, make fortune and be rich i'm here to to study to pursue my study to study to have the 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 master degree in english i have planned for everything but i didn't expect that they are not going to accept my degree my bachelor university iraq university degree first i have to to evaluate it and then i have to complete some courses before i was uh, a high school teacher and i have two years experience in teaching in elementary school 
and uh, I hope I could find some same job like a teacher or tutor here in America. So I'm working on that and I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I hope finally I will get the job and uh, maybe pursue my study. Yes, America is the dreamland, but you still have to work. You have to work hard, actually, to accomplish your dream. That was Fuad Aboud. Now you'll hear from Samir Khalil, a sound engineer, also from Iraq. In 2007, after seeing his brother die from a gunshot wound and being seriously injured himself, Samir fled from Iraq to Syria. He hoped to obtain papers to come to the United States, but before he was able to emigrate, life in Syria became too treacherous to stay. Assuming he was unlikely to survive in either country, Samir returned to his native Iraq, preferring to die in the land of his birth. But in 2014, Samir was granted permission to come to the United States. At the time of this interview, he'd arrived only recently in western Massachusetts. Interpreting for Samir is Mohammed Najib. My older brother uh, got shot and killed while I was transferring him from the place of the accident. We're trying to take him to the hospital, trying to save him. He personally got also uh, shot two bullets into the lungs. I stayed in the intensive care unit for three months to receive treatment, which unfortunately also the treatment was not proper treatment due to the lack of experience of the physicians into the hospital. That incident really affected me uh, significantly and because I'm a person who loves uh, freedom and loves life and uh, discovered myself that even while I was get receiving treatment, I was not even receiving treatment from proper people. Life is extremely difficult. A person or one should give up their principles and beliefs. And, and we have to give up what we believe in and we follow what they force us to believe in and when it comes to religion and it comes to a, a practice and principles. Unknown future, you don't know what's the future. I consider myself as a neutral person that I am not aligned with any of the groups or affiliates back in Iraq. And if you live in that kind of society or community, you have to be biased, either be with this side against that side or on this side against that side. And I couldn't live that life. I couldn't choose a side against another. My house that I used to live in, it was in danger. Even the, the education degree that I received is, is considered a risk. I was still injured because of the um, hits I obtained, and I, my only option was to leave Iraq, go to Syria. This was in 2007, and my, my psychological uh, state was not stable, my physical state was not stable, but the life in Syria was still better in 2007. It was very difficult. We traveled by road and we were confronted by um, outlaws uh, on the law, criminals, that uh, their job is to, you know, rob the passengers or travelers going through that road. So when we were stopped by these uh, outlaws or criminals, when they saw my health condition, my physical condition uh, being injured, 
they kind of, they're only satisfied by taking only our money with us, but not to harm us as physically harm us. He says it was terrifying, but this is this is much uh, better to just take it for ten hours, whatever we went through, rather than live in Iraq and have it for all of your life. Leaving Iraq was my only hope to survive in this life. I arrived to Syria on August 30th. By by the second week, about 11 in September, I, I registered with the United Nations trying to come to America. So after two weeks. In 2011, uh, in December 15th to be exact, we had to leave Syria to go back to Iraq. Because Syrian crisis started in 2011. So what we called it is the second of death. Staying in Syria, we're going to die. And we're going to Iraq, we're going to die as well. We don't have any options. There's no, no solutions. When we crossed the borders, be a ground transportation, going back to Iraq, the minute we exit the Syrian border, we sat right there, my mother and I, four to six hours, just sitting, looking at each other, reading each other's mind, trying to figure out what we're going to do. And the final, the final decision we made, we said, well, if we're going to die, let's might as well die in our homeland. Went back, I saw the, the, you know, the, the situations got worse. It's got worse. The militias got more powerful. The same people who killed my brother and injured me. Uh, now they're officially working for the government, and uh, they're 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 just occupying the whole land. Um, I decided that I must live. I have to produce. I have to support. I have to get a family. I have to start over. It, I said from 2011 to 2014, and it was a struggle and a battle, not against death, but against life, because death was right there. But we were struggling, we were fighting for life. So in that period of time, uh, I just want to mention that I got married. The reason I got married is it was only me, my mother, and my brother. So I wanted somebody to be with my mother. Plus, uh, that will encourage me and give me the will to stay alive and to survive in this life because now I have a family. And I was fortunate that after 10 months of marriage, I, I got my first baby. And that motivated more to keep on uh, fighting to survive. But at the same time, that really scared me for the future of my wife and my child. I was notified that I have an interview near the American embassy in Baghdad, and I, I added my wife and my son to my case. Um, 
بالضبط. I waited a year after that interview. اجى موعد السفر. And then they gave me an appointment to travel. تركت كل الحياة اللي بالعراق. I left everything behind in Iraq. كل شيء. سيارتي و... My car. أثاث وبيت. My furniture, و... my house. My office, المكتب اللي كنت أشتغل فيه. My working تركت كل الحياة. I left شنت... everything behind. كنت أنتظر موعد ال... يعني ساعة السفر. I was waiting for the, I was waiting for the moment of travel that was it. بها صعوبات بس الصعوبات شالتها عني منظمة السنتريا. It was it was exciting. Life is beautiful. Things are beautiful. It's new life. But there were also some challenges there. But we were helped by Centria when it comes to English language learning and stuff. They played a big role on that. كل التحديات سهلة لأنه أكو أكو ناس من من أحتاج شيء أكو ناس يلبولي هذا الشيء. All the challenges, believe it or not, are not considered as challenges because I have the people that I can go to and they can help me. As if my wife, her life changed here because of the lifestyle. She doesn't have to wear hijab. So she is uh, she's very comfortable that she doesn't have to wear hijab or not forced to wear hijab. If you think of life and if you want to succeed and move forward, America is a welcoming country and it's a symbol of life and future. That was Samir Khalil. And before Samir, we heard from Fuad Aboud. You can see their photographs and hear all of the Words in Transit interviews at nepr.net, where you can also learn about upcoming Words in Transit events. You can also invite us to your community. To see additional photographs and to read transcripts of the interviews, see the Words in Transit book, available from the University of Massachusetts Press. Proceeds from the sale of the book benefit the Words in Transit Immigrant Scholarship Fund at Holyoke Community College. You can also find information about all of NEPR's podcasts at nepr.net or on iTunes. Next time on Words in Transit, the stories of two women that left Southeast Asian countries as children and the challenges of adjusting to living in a new place. Names are important when you're a refugee immigrant, when you're an immigrant to this community, to this country, because you want to blend in, you want to be accepted. That's next time on Words in Transit. The managing director of Words in Transit is Tema Silk. The producer is Kathleen O'Keefe. And we had help on this podcast from Sara Redigieri. I'm John Vosey. Thank you for listening. Words in Transit is a production of New England Public Radio in collaboration with the Copeland Colloquium at Amherst College.